Welcome to Ladies Get Action, the podcast where two best friends talk about getting action movies. This is Rin Olson and Rebecca Ringley, and this week we watched Drive, the Ryan Gosling, Carrie Mulligan pick from 2011. Oh, wow. I thought it was older than that. So I, I always mix this up with The Place Beyond the Pines. I've never heard of that. Oh, it's like a movie that actually came out two years later, but I think that's the reason why I thought it was from like... 2007 or something but yeah 2011 fun yeah uh we'll get into this movie just a moment how's your week been it's been good it's been good (laughs) it sounds really good Rebecca (laughs) it's so good I was on a call uh with a colleague the other day and they're like how are you doing and I go I'm fine I'm fine I'm like everything is fine and he goes you don't sound fine. I'm like, no, I'm actually, actually, everything is totally fine. It's so fine. It's really fine. <laughs> he was like, it doesn't sound like it. Right. The more you repeat it, the more it's clear that that is. Yeah. I said it like four or five times. And I was like, I couldn't even think of other words to say. That's how like stuck in this like weird loop I was. But yeah, I am fine. I'm a little tired from work, but things are pretty good. I went to the medieval festival. I did virtual reality. I saw Don't Worry Darling. I did a lot of stuff. And, oh. I, and I went to Jersey and uh, and ate dumplings. Mm-hmm. So it was a very busy weekend. Yeah. We have spent a lot of time this week off the pod talking about Don't Worry Darling. Yeah. <laughs> which is pretty, pretty impressive for a movie that I think both of us would describe as like almost good. Yeah. I said it was messy. Yeah. It's messy. I agreed i liked it overall don't worry darling i guess right it's always that little <laughs> thing of like <laughs> did i i'm glad i saw it yeah would you recommend other people see it yeah i think so i don't know if it's worth spending money on mm-hmm. but yeah see it when it's on on demand for sure <laughs> but it's been like bleak and cold and rainy and i don't like it i don't like it like that at all um i deserve better any thoughts on that? No, it's been very cold. Yeah, it like skipped fall and went straight to winter. Yeah, except for today, which was like a surprise. Like today's glorious, day. Like, beautiful. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm also a little tired. Um, I had pretty much the exact same weekend as you, except that I made some pants, which I'm really oh, that's very amazing. Proud of. Um, and I did not go to VR. But... You didn't really miss much. It was so glitchy. So the this was my first time going to the medieval festival up right by the cloisters. And Rebecca was like such a good friend. She went along with my oh. like excitement about dressing up. Well, this was a miscommunication. <laughs> I know, but you you like recovered really well and were you yeah. game, which is really great. I was game. So Rin says, "Why don't you come over here first? I have something for you to wear." Mm-hmm. And I said, "Okay, great." And and she's like, "Wear a t-shirt and and like pants." I think you said. And I said, "Okay, what color t-shirt?" And you didn't respond. And so I picked up, and she, she, you were also like, and your cardigan. Yeah. Well, I was thinking your white cardigan that you have, but. Right. I thought, I thought you meant this other white and sort of gray cardigan. Mm-hmm. <laughs> anyway, I wore all that. I assembled an outfit, came over there. And Rin was like, oh no, that's not what you're wearing. <laughs> I picked out a dress for you and like another kind of dress that goes over that dress. And like a, a scarf that goes in the dress and a belt and. Mm-hmm. All kinds like of layers. layers upon layers upon layers. Um, yeah, the kind of vest to go on top of all the dresses and belts. Mm-hmm. Yes, but you didn't wear that, so. <laughs> oh, I tried it all on, and I said I will wear this. Yes, you did. That's why I said you were such good. You're like, I meant your, it. Your game, but um, <laughs> there was a better outfit waiting for you. <laughs> um, um, but I did wear one of your pieces. It was beautiful. You did. Yes, I went for like vaguely witchy because it was just. The, the thing with the, like, layering a bunch of skirts and, like, um, kind of off-the-shoulder tops in a way that makes it work for, like, a Ren fair is that it actually kind of needs to be warm. Mm. Like, if it's cold, you have to dress for layers and turtlenecks yeah. and, like, what do, do I wear my coat on top? Um, which is what, what my problem was. So I sort of just went for, like, vaguely witchy. <laughs> I think you pulled it off. You looked great. Thank you. Yeah. I was hoping to, like, find some mead or, like... It was fun, though. It was fun to, like, walk around, and it was especially fun to do it, like, in the shadow of the cloisters, which yeah. is a legit medieval castle. Yeah, and then uh, the majority of this week has just been spent prepping for um, working with a private client, 
which um, is always really rewarding. Requires like blocking out a significant amount of time, but it's like really nice to just focus on one thing. That sounds like a nice thing to have. <laughs> yeah, well, usually it's like it's same, like I'm responding to this client and this person yeah. and this, you know. So other than that, pretty good. Let's talk about this movie. So what are your initial feelings? Okay, so I'm, I'm very curious where you land on this. So I did see this movie when it came on theaters, but I have basically no memory of it. I'm, I may have even fallen asleep in this movie when I first saw it. The first half of it, I was out of it. I wasn't into it. I felt like when this movie came out, it was very much sold as like an art house film, mm-hmm. which I think is important context. Yeah. So I was like, okay, it's artsy. It's going for artsy. A lot of music. It's very tonal. It's very meditative. I was kind of not into it. And then the second half really picked up. And then by the end, I was into it. Interesting. So what did you think? So with like the teaser that we always get in action movies, um, I was really into it. I thought it was really like on edge, like the tension. Um, And then I wasn't really into it until Oscar Isaac showed up. Mm-hmm. And that's when I think thought things got interesting. But I had so many issues with Ryan Gosling's character, mm-hmm. to be honest, that I didn't like vehemently hate it. Yeah. Um, it was moody and it was going for a feel. I don't I don't know. I'm not sure. Like I didn't like love it. Yeah. But it is interesting in the way it's like kind of like Don't Worry Darling, where it's almost there. It's like almost where I want it to be. Um, and there were parts I liked a lot. So I, I think that if this movie, if I'd seen this movie in 2011, when I had just moved to the city and like fresh out of college, I would have loved it. Mm-hmm. I think I would have thought this was like the coolest artsy movie disguised as like an action film. So let's talk about it. Um, it opens with Ryan Gosling, like talking about his rules, giving his the monologue that like all drivers seem to give. Yeah, it's very transporter. He has rules. Here are his rules. There's like a five minute window. The, the thing I sort of had with this movie from the get go was that, that it was it's a it's hard to take Ryan Gosling as seriously as he takes himself. <laughs> like yeah, he takes himself very serious in this movie, and he sort of lightens up, but then the movie takes him seriously, and by that yeah. point, I kind of like they lost me. <laughs> I agree. I think that's a really good note. Yeah, yeah, he does take himself very seriously. Well, actually, for the first half of the movie. And there's certain moments, like in the garage when he's there with Carrie Mulligan, where I'm like, oh, he's not serious. He's stupid. Mm-hmm. Oh, he must, he, maybe he's just like a very like dull person. That's what I got out of it too. Yeah. I guess that includes the time, you know, as it goes on where he becomes incredibly violent. Yeah. Because he's not like calculating in any way. No, I sort of had problems with those scenes too, because it just didn't feel like it didn't feel like there was anything behind his eyes. Well, was- I actually loved it. Mm. I loved those scenes because there wasn't anything behind his eyes. Because just like you said to the little boy when he said, like, what do you say to the little boy? About sharks? Oh, yeah. How do you know they're the bad guy? Because they're sharks. Mm-hmm. He said, well, can any sharks be good guys? Say, oh, there's like- no good sharks? There are no good sharks. <laughs> this movie is about there's no good sharks. That he thinks he's a good person. And he acts like he's a good person, but he's a monster inside. He's the scorpion on his back. Mm, interesting. And as the movie goes that. on, he becomes the scorpion more and more. And the film keeps showing us shots of the scorpion as he gets more violent. Yeah. The scorpion enters the scene rather than him from the front. Mm-hmm. That's true. Especially after he starts putting on the mask near the very end. But yeah, there are no good sharks. And so his eyes go dead because he is a shark inside. He's a monster. And it was nice to think that he could have a flirtation with Carrie Mulligan, but that doesn't mean he's a good person. I'm not sure I bought into that flirtation, though, either. Mm-hmm. There wasn't really anything there for me. Did you think that he's like... What do you mean? Like, did you buy their chemistry? Did you believe their chemistry? I did, but I also didn't get it. Like, it seemed like so little was there. Mm-hmm. I just didn't feel like there was enough for them to go off of. There really wasn't, but I wonder if it was stuff we weren't seeing, like... When he kisses her in the elevator, is that their first kiss? Mm-hmm. Well, is it definitively their first kiss, though? Yes. Why do you say that? Because I think we never see any other hints of them, like, coming out of the same bedroom or even, like... 
I, I think the movie makes such a big deal out of that kiss, like the way the light focuses in on them and like makes it this big swelling romantic moment. Obviously it's to like offset the fact that they're about to get into an elevator fight scene. Well, but um, I, yeah, I mean, to just find, to hammer in on that point that you just said though, not just that, but he's about to kick someone and squish someone's face to death. Yes. But I think that is why they played out the fact that it was their first kiss even more. Interesting. I wasn't sure if it was their first kiss. Um, just because I feel like the little bits we get of their flirtation in the beginning, it's so thin that it made me feel like perhaps it's just like little vignettes with them and there's more that's happening between them. We're not seeing, we're seeing the little bits here. We're seeing him with the kid. Now we see them looking at the sunset together. We see them going on a joy ride, you know, vignettes from their relationship that build a hole and in a, in an art house movie. And like, sure. not, not like a narratively clear movie. Yeah. But there's nothing, but there's nothing else. And no, like no other part of the movie is there a part where like something that happens off screen within the, plot of the movie is like referenced like they reference the past but it's never like you know when um oscar isaac and carrie mulligan are back together and they're like oh we went out for ice cream yesterday or like did you pick up the like where they're referencing action that happened off screen i mean that's not set up where it's like there's stuff happening off screen that we don't see hmm maybe i just think it's a, a i think it's i think it's just like not 100 percent hmm. sure that it's the first kiss because the kiss has so many different intentions in that moment. It's to distract the bad guy in the elevator. It's because he thinks he might die, perhaps. It's because, you know, all this lust is built up. And it's because of what he's about to do, which will ruin the relationship that he could have with her. Which is going to sever it, like, as the elevator door closes on her. Sure. Do you think, though, do you think he's he's thinking in that moment, I'm going to smash this guy's head in? Or is, like, yeah. I'm just going to get into a fight? I think he's thinking I'm going to kill him. Mm, I'm... I, I'm, I'm going to kiss her and then I, to say goodbye to her. And then I'm going to get rid of this guy for good because he's a threat to her. Right. And he loves her and is like psychopathic, like, you know, maybe that's it. Maybe, maybe that's it. Maybe that's why there's no real like chemistry between them because it's just what he wants. Seems like it's what she wants too, though. Kind of. I think she's very thinly drawn. Uh, well, yeah, 100%. She's so thinly drawn and very just like, oh, yeah, she's got get anything of her backstory. No, or what she wants, or how does she feel about her ex husband coming back? And yeah, is she afraid of him? Is she not afraid of him? So she's like also so into him at the beginning that, like, do you think? I, I thought she was going to be involved with the plot somehow. Oh, like sure. that's how. Because they meet at the grocery store, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, he see like the first time we see her is he's coming into the apartment building and she's leaving to go to work. But yeah, no, it's a lot of like making eyes at each other. Yeah. I'm not saying this is like a great movie that it's doing this, mm-hmm. but I think the movie thinks that it's like painting with this brush that's like glances and you know. Yeah, I think also just her reaction in the elevator when he kisses her is such surprise that I mm. like. I just I. I think that they have not like had anything more than just sort of like a very chaste handholding relationship. Okay. Um, but yeah, no, you can tell the movie really thinks it's doing a, a big thing here. I know. I didn't love that. I didn't love that. It's like, this is so romantic. Yeah. Right. Their attraction is really hot. And you're going to be like when the, when the lights change and they pull in on him kissing her. You're, I mean, I thought actually, I guess I'm changing my mind in the moment. I guess that was very effective. <laughs> Actually, I thought that was a great scene. Actually, I think that's a great scene. I do think it's very effective. I just wasn't, I didn't buy into their like love for each other. But then again, that supports the idea that I just sort of tossed out there that maybe this is just his infatuation. When he says, let's run away together. Mm -hmm. She's like, no way, basically. That's after she's watched him smash the guy. No, it's before. After she, no, yeah, it's before. He runs into her in the hallway and he says... Uh Here's what really happened. With oh, right. Because then he says, Do you want the money? And he, she slaps him. They right. get into the elevator and the, the yeah, bad guy's right. in there. Mm-hmm. No, the, that's the last thing that he says to her. And then he kisses her and the doors close on mm-hmm. any chance they had together. Yeah. I mean, maybe, maybe she's not super into him or like maybe it is just his viewpoint. I think it must um, be just his viewpoint because I think she is super into him from his viewpoint. Mm-hmm. she doesn't leave her husband for him you know and she attends that party and she like smiles and stuff yeah it seems like she's like very distracted the whole time through though 
Yeah, that too. Maybe there's like an attraction, but like, is you know, like you're saying, like never acted upon. Their whole relationship was just really weird to me. I just didn't get it. <laughs> it's funny. I came into this being like, I didn't like it. I'm liking it more as we talk about it, but I'm still sort of... That happens for me all the time too. I'm still just sort of confused about a lot of things. Like the the double cross heist? Yeah. Can you explain that to me? Yeah. Okay. I think I can maybe. Okay. Like, especially Christina Hendricks's part. Yeah. Okay. So the mechanics of it are this. What's his name? Standard? Mm, Oscar Isaac. Yeah. Yeah. Oscar Isaac's he's, character. He's so good. I love him. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's the, uh, the husband of Carrie Mulligan's character. He's just back from prison. And we come upon him at, well, I guess first there's a, a welcome home party where he says, like, I've done some bad things and... I owe you all. I need to like atone from them, but this is a second chance. Like, thank you to my wife. And she's smiling. She seems like happy to be there pretty much like yeah. distracted, but happy to be there. Mm-hmm. And then there's like a little bit of a scene uh, in the hallway with him and the kid Which, and I Ryan Gosling scene. where he's like, without saying it, he's like, Hey, like, are you fucking my wife? Right. Right. And he's like, Oh, so you've been coming around here a lot. You've been helping out. A That's lot? cool. Mommy needs to talk to her friend. Yeah. But then the next time we see him, I actually thought that scene was fascinating too. Ryan Gosling's character is driving through their parking garage. He sees two scary goons who like really look at him and seem to know him or he knows them, but they don't come after him. And he parks and he hears a man saying to a child, like, this is our little secret. Don't tell mommy. Mm -hmm. And we don't see anything. And until after we've heard those words. So you think like, I thought the kid was getting molested or someone's trying to grab this his kid. Mm-hmm. Um, but what we see is Oscar Isaac like bloodied on the ground and he's saying that to his son who's watching it. And Ryan, uh, Ryan Gosling comes upon it. What did you think of that moment before we even get to the heist? Well, I, I thought it was really interesting because I thought, I wasn't super surprised it was Oscar Isaac. I figured it would be something with him because we, we know so much about him in the sense of like, He's been in prison for some bad things. I think it's interesting that Ryan Gosling doesn't go to him to help him up. He goes straight to the kid. Well, the things that he's saying to the kid, though, and it was just a clever trick of the movie that you first could think those words are someone trying to molest a kid. Mm -hmm. That's what it sounded like to me. But it's also, it's a parent trying to keep a secret with a kid. Right. A violent secret. Mm -hmm. And so it feels really gross regardless. This poor kid is seeing his dad bloodied yeah. and being told to not tell anybody. I thought that was really sinister. Um, but Ryan Gosling, you know, helps the kid and cleans up uh, Standard, basically says like, okay, what's the deal? And Standard tells him like in prison, he gets he, he owes people money. And now the money keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger um, that he owes them. And they wanted him to rob a pawn shop and he said no. Mm-hmm. And so that's why they beat him up. And they're going right. to come for his wife and kids next. Yeah, where I got confused is after slash during the the heist. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, sorry. I was just leading us there. Oh, yeah, yeah. Anyway, so the driver, Ryan Gosling, agrees to help. Basically, the heist is Christina Hendricks is like the goon's girlfriend or the the goon's something. And he says that she's coming along with them. Mm -hmm. And so Ryan Gosling's in the car doing his regular car thing. And... Christina Hendricks and Oscar Isaac go into the pawn shop and she exits with the cash, puts it in the car. And then Oscar Isaac exits um, and is immediately shot to death Yeah, outside. And then they peel off and there's a second car there waiting for them. So here's my understanding of what really happened. Because then the news later, they're like, oh, a pawn shop was robbed by one man who stole no money. Right. Yeah. When they clearly definitely seen like a, a redhead and what seems like millions of dollars are taken. I think what it was, what we find out later is I know definitely the other car was mob guys making sure this all happened. Mm-hmm. It was all orchestrated. A, so that Oscar Isaac would be killed. That was part of it. Yeah. And Nino, who we met earlier slash later was stealing from the mob, the big mob, the big mob on the okay. East coast mob. Yeah. I guess like the other car was put, Christina Hendricks said the other car was supposed to hold them up mm-hmm. and take the money from them. Mm, okay. Right. But Ryan Gosling is such a good driver that he like tricked Perhaps. Them. Yeah. 
Yeah, I yeah. think so. But she didn't know that Oscar Isaac was supposed to die. Mm-hmm. But that was part of the plan, too. Right. So who... Because then she, like, makes a call to somebody. Well, she calls her goon boss who come... She probably, I think, texts them, like, hey, he took me to this hotel. Okay, okay. Because she doesn't know what he's capable of. Right. Because then she dies. Well, because then they come to get them. She probably assumed they would come pick her up. Right. And not just... And they shoot her in the head. Yeah. I think that's what happened. Okay. And then basically now that all the money that is there was really like the East Coast mob's money. Mm. And that's why it was like sitting in this pawn shop. It was supposed to be something that they like stole or picked up or something. Okay. And said Nino stole from them. Yeah. And said Nino stole from them. And then it all got fucked up um, because it's on the news and all this stuff. Well, I guess that part didn't, I guess that was just messy, but it gets fucked up because Ryan Gosling has the money now. And his whole thing becomes, I just want to give you the money back and like be done with it. What do you think of that? I I was still confused about the heist thing. I kind of feel like you're not going to give it to the widow. Well, he does offer it to her. Right. Sort of. He's kind of like, and I could give it to you if you want it. But he doesn't really allow her to get, in, like I said, word. Um, well, he's all, it's on the same breath that he's saying, like, your husband was involved with bad right. things. And also I saw him die. And also uh, there's a lot of money. And I could give it to you. And then we could run away together. Right, right. So it's kind of in the same breath as all of that. Basically, once he realizes what's going on and he figures out, oh, God, well, there's all these things that happen because he goes to the strip club and he first, you know, smashes up the guy, the one goon Mm -hmm. who is in charge of the heist. And that guy leads him to Nino. Yeah. Who owns the pizza place with Bernie. What I also sort of had problems with, like, that was the neatness of this heist being the very same guys who were, like, going to run this car scheme. Oh, I, I didn't mind that too much. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense, but it, it just felt like there were some missing ends in there of, like, mm. time. I don't know. I was surprised that it was Nino behind it. Mm. Because we meet Nino as, like, mobby, but seemingly sort of, like, harmless. Because you see Bernie sort of giving him a hard time. And Bernie also seems harmless. And so does, what's his name, Brian Cranston's character, who helps out uh, Ryan Gosling with cars and stuff. They all seem like kind of nice, like harmless, like mobby kind of guys. But they're going to invest in this race car dream. Mm-hmm. I didn't get that they were harmless. I got that they were very, very dangerous. I got that later, but not not then. Yeah, I don't know. I just, maybe I've just seen like, sort of, I don't know, like I've just seen too many action movies. But like, it just sort of felt, especially in an action movie like this, that like anybody is capable of anything. Oh, sure. Yeah. You when know? you have your eyes peeled for it. Yeah. Right. Yeah, it just sort of made sense. Like, okay, these are our, our big bad villains. And like... Right, well, they do the threaten him. They do threaten him right away. Right. Oh, yeah, we get the first sign that Ryan Reynolds... Not Ryan Reynolds. Uh, Ryan Phillippe. Ryan Gosling? Oh, no. They all look the same. <laughs> they do, kind of, yes. The driver. We mm-hmm. get the first indication that the driver is dangerous when he's at that diner eating by himself and the man comes up to him. Oh, Yeah. I didn't buy it, though. What, I just, what didn't you buy? I didn't believe that Ryan Gosling was capable of that. Yet? Or then? Then. Like, I just didn't... Or at all, I guess. At all. It felt like a lot of just sort of going through the motions for me. Hmm. Um, I mean, obviously, there was like, he's smashing some guy's head in, or he's doing this stuff. But I, for that kind of character, for me, there needs to be like a little bit more of an undercurrent there. Um, and it just sort of felt like he was on autopilot. He is very disconnected, but I feel like perhaps like for a sociopath, like that makes sense too. Like he's living a very disconnected life. I mean, that feels like a really good read to me, especially since it sounds like, like it's at the very end when um, Bernie is like, better put your dreams on hold. I was like, what dreams? Well, exactly. He has, exactly. No, he has no ambitions, no dreams. He doesn't seem to be excited by the movie industry or excited by race car driving. Mm-mm. Or even by the heist. No. Or like the robbery. So the only time he looks at peace, I think, is that scene right after Christina Hendricks' head is blown off and he kills two guys really quickly and his face is covered in blood. He almost smiles. Oh yeah, yeah. That was that was the only time, like, oh, he's like, this is his purpose. But yeah, I think he might just be that guy. So when he says to the guy in the diner, get the fuck away from me right now, or I will like basically kill you. I was like, oh, okay. 
Like that's who he is inside. Mm-hmm. We're just gonna get little glimpses. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, and then also during the pawn shop scene during the robbery, because we, we have the initial, like you said, like the teaser in all these movies where you see that he's good at his job. He's so calm. Mm-hmm. Like when they're evading the police and they're evading helicopters in the first scene, he doesn't, he's like listening to the sports radio. And there's a reason for that too, which is very clever. Um, but he's just like super calm, but he's not calm at all in this scene, the pawn shop scene. He's sweating and he looks anxious and he gets out of the car. He broke his own rule. Yeah. He like kind of gets half out of the car to see if like he's coming. And... Yeah. Or to see if he's dead. Right. 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 Yeah. But I just thought that was interesting. He was sweating there. So does that mean he cares about Carrie Mulligan? Does that mean he's worried? Like, is that our indication that this means something to him? I think it has to be. Mm. I think so. Yeah. Because the only reason he agrees to help Standard is because Standard basically says they're going to come after my wife and kids next. And I have no plan about that. Yeah. And I just got beat to shit and that they're coming after them next. And I'm not going to do this heist. Yeah. Do you think he was being manipulative? Yeah. Yeah, me too. I think he was doing that on purpose. Yes. Like he was using... I don't think he got beat up on purpose, but yeah, he knew knew what to say to get this guy's help. And then also when he found... When the driver finds out that Sander lied to his wife about all this too, I think that's when he gets really involved. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought that was more the impetus than necessarily... I mean, again, it's just... Well, it happened simultaneously, yeah, the decision. Yeah. Like, I like the idea of this relationship with them, and I like all the... I just don't get it. I know I keep saying that, but, like, I don't quite... I don't know her. Like, I don't know her. Well, there's nothing to her. Like, that's probably the movie's biggest problem. Is that, like, she should have an opinion about her husband coming home. She should have an opinion about, like, why this guy says so little, and he's such, like, a... He's, like... Okay. He's, like, the blank canvas of a guy that you might project ideas onto that you're dating, but there's nothing there. And 100%. There never, oh, there never was anything there. And whatever really is there is like nasty and horrible. I guess I'm saying there's not nothing there. There's something sinister there. Mm. But there's a blank enough exterior that you can project what you want onto it for a while. Okay. Yeah. Like you're dating a guy and you haven't noticed he hasn't said anything vulnerable about himself. Mm-hmm. or interesting about himself. So you've decided, oh, he's just sensitive or quiet or serious or interesting. Um, but he's a serial killer. Right. <laughs> yeah. I think the this movie reads best if you read it that he's a sociopath. Yeah. I don't know if there's a different way to think about him. Well, it's it would be exactly like you said. Like, he's just like a very sensitive guy who just wants oh, right. to have a quiet life. And right. Maybe he moved to, to L.A. to get into, like, movies, but he didn't. He just <laughs> sort of drifted here. No, you're right. That is the other reading. Yeah. Yeah, you're totally right. And I would say in 2011, that would have been the reading, at least for me. I think you're right. I think at least in the beginning. And that's what makes this movie interesting is they play that same song twice. Um, yeah. Like, something about, like, you're being a real human being. You're a real hero. You're a real hero. You're a real hero. They play it in the beginning when you're like, yeah, he, I guess so. Like, you know, he fixes her car and he... Mm-hmm. Helping with their kid, and he's like being really nice. And then it's the same in the end after he's murdered so many people. It's like, you're a real hero, you're a real hero, you're a real hero. Damn it, I think I like this movie a lot more than I did coming in. <laughs> Talking it through, though, I'm liking it more too. I'm like seeing the ideas in it. Yeah, and I did, I have to say, I enjoyed watching it. Like, I didn't, it felt very meditative, it felt very moody, and like, just like I was sort of in this world. where it wasn't like I was cognizant of the time passing and being like, oh my God, when is this going to end? You know? Yeah. It was like that for me for the first half. And then I I got, it got like, because it picked up so much. Mm -hmm. It was like riveted in the second half. I also really liked seeing the, like the streets of LA. Like, I feel like we haven't seen that since Fast and the Furious Mm -hmm. or like Lethal Weapon. Yeah. Um, And that was really cool too, because they actually showed the car driving as if you were in like the driver's seat or like in the passenger seat. Yeah. Which is cool. Yeah. I think if this movie has a giant mistake, it's, it's giving Carrie uh, Mulligan nothing to do. Yeah. She, I will say like, she filled it up really well. Like, yeah, but there's just nothing to the character. Like it would have been interesting if she pushed back in any way or felt like she had a motivation of her own or, or maybe like a flaw yeah, I mean, what like did a, you, a secret of her own, you know? What did you think about her backstory? What backstory? 
The one that um, they tell around like like the kitchen table, where she's like, "Oh, how they met." Mm-hmm. Oh, that's the story of how they met. Yeah, that's yeah. I wouldn't. Okay, yeah. I mean, that's all we get. That's, that's all we get. <laughs> You're right. That's all we get. I mean, it sounds scary. It sounds like he knocked up a 17 year old. Yeah, I would have liked to have seen more of an opinion about that from her. I mean, because if you think about it, she's like 21, 22. Like, how old is the kid? Well, if the kid or was born at 23. If the kid was born at 18, he seems like he's like six or seven. Yeah, so that would put her like 24, I guess. That's still so young. Yeah. I mean, it's like we're given a clue that she was clever one time. Right. But yeah, it's just not enough. I'd like for her to have like, like you said, to be involved in some way or to have like a vice or something. But I guess also she needed to have nothing for him to you know, project whatever fantasy he wanted onto her mm-hmm. in his own blank way. Yeah, I think it would have been nice to have just seen a little bit more in either direction. Yeah. Like either or probably and like we get more from her and we see that he is completely projecting all of this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know. I mean, she hits him. She does. And she lets those doors close. Yeah. But but maybe I like that it's subtle. Mm-hmm. Maybe, I, yeah, maybe I think that's good that it's not like spelled out for us. Yeah. And that, that's one of the things that makes it more like, like a watercolor, like a more artistic sort of abstract interpretation of it. Yeah, I see that. I think I, and I'm not saying it has to be like hit the nail over the head. Yeah. I just would have liked one, like a little yeah. bit more of concrete detail. Like, in like a maybe watercolor, she's a smoker. Yeah. You know, like I just wanted something about her that wasn't perfect. Right. Right. I mean, I thought she was going to say like when, when she asks him, you know, or you just, you just get to LA. I thought she was going to be like, oh yeah, I've been here for, I grew up here, you know, or like I got here, moved here in high school or something like that. Mm-hmm. I guess it's, I guess she grew up there since she was 17 when she met standard, but I don't know. Again, just something. <laughs> yeah. That would have been nice. It was fun to see Christina Hendricks, mm-hmm. you know, for the brief time she was on the screen. He, he never has a gun. No, that's one of his rules. Yeah, he well, you mentioned it earlier, but it's interesting to see him keep that rule even as, like, things devolved. Mm-hmm. Um, and when he assaults Christina Hendricks and he, like, pushes her on the bed... He uses his finger like a gun. He points his finger oh, like a I gun at her, yeah. and then he kind of tucked it away, and I then he put it back. Yeah, I couldn't tell what he was doing with that. I thought, yeah, was he, he, like, he was holding hold- it like a fist, no, or was he, he was, like holding it like he a... He was holding her oh, down so funny. by her neck with one hand, and then pretending the other hand, pointing at her like, a, like it was a gun Yeah, with his other finger. And he like retracted it and put it back. Right, yeah. I, I missed him retracting it, but like I couldn't... I didn't understand. I didn't like put those things together that like he was pretending it was gun. I just yeah. thought he was holding his hand really weird. <laughs> well, I don't know if he was like in his mind thinking, I'm pretending this is a gun, but like, no, but it, it was like in the shape of it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that, that was the scene where he was covered head to toe in blood and he looked peaceful. Like he, he almost nearly smiled. That was a great moment, maybe the best moment. Because he did yeah. it with such ease. He just stabbed one guy with a pole and shot Oh, yeah. He was... Got the other guy. I shot him with his gun. Right. And then he's just, like, standing there, like, yeah, I did it. Yeah, the efficiency with which he, like, stabbed the guy with the, the shower pole was pretty impressive. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the, yeah. there's no horror, just acceptance. And then I was, like... I was also thinking about, it, like, oh, okay, like, the first, like, half or the first, you know, third of the movie... It's all about what a good guy he is. And then it turns into, he's not a good guy at all. This whole movie is sort of about all these people who have dreams of like being oh, yeah. better. Like, You're right. You know, we have Ryan, well, obviously Ryan Gosling, who has dreams of like, I'm, I'm a good person. I don't like do that kind of violence. Right. I'm a hero. I'm a hero. Yeah. But I don't even know how deep that is for him. I don't know if he has dreams at all. Right. Yeah. But then you've got Oscar Isaac, who dreams of like being a good husband and a good father and being out of the criminal game Mm -hmm. and then you yeah like you said you have his uh, brian cranston's character who wants to have money and to feel legitimate and to feel respected yeah and um you have bernie who also wants to have his name out there he also wants to be respected and same with same with nino who talks about being like 60 years old and having his cheeks pinched by the East coast mob and treated like he's like nothing. 
I don't know what Christina, or sorry, I don't know what um, Carrie Mulligan's dreams are, but. No, we don't. But <laughs> they all, and they all had like aspirations of being in the film industry too. Mm-hmm. Bernie was like, I used to make movies. They would, used to call them um, European. Yeah. But I thought they were shit. I know. I wrote down, was that, was he making like softcore porn? No, I thought it was like a meta commentary about this film. Oh, that's funny. I used to make action movies that they called like artsy and European, but I thought they were just shit. Yeah. And then it probably was. Yeah. They all want to have, like, a legacy, except for, you know, the driver. He doesn't care about that. No. Well, he's sort of playing around with – he's sort of, like, trying it out. You can see him, like, in the scenes with Carrie Mulligan, yeah. he's trying out this relationship. And yeah, I think he's like, trying out, like, could I have a romantic life? Like, could I could I have a family and, like, mm-hmm. go off somewhere and, like, do that? And the answer is no, but – No, absolutely not. Yeah. I think he also looks at peace when you think he's dead in that shot after he gets stabbed mm-hmm. when he's just sitting in the car. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and you're like, is he going to move or blink or he's dead? We're watching yeah. him be dead. And then he blinks. And he blinks like, and he... And then he drives away. And he's not dead at all. Don't drive away. We'll be right back. And we're back. Did you ever see the movie Baby Driver? No. It's interesting because when I finished this movie, well, like throughout the entire movie, I, I thought of Baby Driver, which is sort of the same movie but like amped up on steroids yeah um which now sort of i mean i'd have to watch baby driver again but it sort of like pales with what this movie does that makes sense because this came out a long time before that yeah yeah what'd you think of the strip club scene i thought it was really interesting i actually really liked it me too about how all the strippers were like so i mean they're watching this man get beat up in the middle and they're just all like completely disinterested Mm -hmm. so disconnected yeah completely disconnected they're just sort of watching it like you'd watch somebody like they're mannequins yeah like they're not there at all but all their tits are out Mm -hmm. it was really interesting like it's just like this sexual place that was so like icy cold and so non-sexual non-sexual yeah clinical it's also interesting because when i was watching the movie i was sort of stuck I mean, it makes sense that, like, again, he is not a good guy. And that's, like, what you have to kind of realize. But I was sort of like, oh, Ryan Gosling is giving me nothing. Like, I don't get what's, like, he's just blank. And I was like, it's better when he plays, like, kind of a smarmy prep school kid if he's going to be the villain. But it's funny. This is just sort of a different version of a villain. Yeah. You know, which means it does really work. I still, I still have the same criticisms that I had a little bit earlier about how I would have needed just, like, a little bit more intensity or something like an undercurrent but yeah i think it works for me you know there's scene where he calls nino and he's basically like he's killed every he's killed a bunch of people and he's like i have your money and i'm going to drop it off here and Nino's like for what like what in exchange for what and he's like nothing i thought that was fascinating and then nino's like have you told anyone he's like no he's like well you're stupid at this Right, you're no good at this, are you? Right, like you're an idiot. But it's just interesting. Yeah, Ryan Re- Ryan Reynolds, uh, the driver has no interest in money. Like to the end, to to the extent that which when he kills uh, Bernie, finally he leaves the money with Bernie. I know. I thought that was really shocking too, because I again I was sort of still stuck in this idea that he's the good guy, or Mm-mm. you know, but he's not. You know, he's got a very particular set of skills. <laughs> Um, that are useful in any location. He gets sweaty again, though. He gets the next time he gets like sweaty and uncomfortable is after he murders the guy in the elevator, and he's looking at Carrie Mulligan's judgment, even though mm-hmm. even though she's very blank. Oh well, she's terrified. Um, but that's what, that's the next time we see him like losing his cool mm-hmm. a little bit, and then the door closes, and that's it. I mean, the movie ends basically with her knocking on his door, and he's not there. When he's driving away. Yeah. I couldn't tell how she felt about that either. I think she wanted to be there. Remember, he calls her and he's like, I'm not going to be here anymore. Right. What did you think of that elevator kiss scene? We talked about it a little bit before, but... I really liked it. I really liked it for sort of all the reasons that we mentioned, but like, just because the minute you see the gun, you know what's going to happen. Or even the minute you see the guy we already, looking at them. Yeah, we've already known that Nino sent him. Right. We saw this guy, that guy in the pizza shop. Mm, mm-hmm. I missed that actually, but oh yeah, yeah, when Nino gets off the phone, he says, "Go get him." And he point 
to that guy oh, sitting in his yeah. pizza shop. Yeah. So from the second we see him in the elevator, we know. Yeah. And then Ryan Gosling knows as soon as he sees the gun. Yeah, but I, I thought it was a really, really great scene. The way the, the like the lights changed and the music changed, and it became this like very epic moment. Right. Well, yeah, the goon disappears entirely, basically. Mm-hmm. So lights only shift onto them. But I also thought it was sexy how he like pushed her behind him. Oh yeah, yeah. So he wants to be, or he like he's trying out this. Yeah, I think he's trying out of being the good guy, but or romantic or. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I sort of see him as this man who's sort of like, hmm, I wonder what it'd be like if I felt like this. Yeah. And just sort of tries it out and then... Well, that's what I mean by a sociopath. Yeah, yeah. How did you feel about the elevator scene? I liked it. I thought it was it was kind of hot. But I think because I was so in my head about like the decisions he had been making, I didn't think it was that... Like, I didn't get swept up in the moment in any way. Hmm. Because I'm like, he's so dangerous. And we know this other man is so dangerous. Mm-hmm. That, for a second, I was like, is this a dream sequence? Is this like a fantasy in his mind? Then we'll cut back and they're standing there. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Um, but when it was real, I was like, oh, yeah, okay. Like, it's serving all these purposes, but mostly I think it's like him trying one last thing and then saying goodbye to her because he knows he's about to murder this man. And then I was kind of surprised and delighted by the fact that Bernie was the bigger villain than Nino. Same, actually. Yeah. I was thrilled. I mean, I knew they were, again, I understood that they were both dangerous, but I thought Nino was like, was a more big, dangerous. bad, dangerous. Right. Because Nino's like comes in more aggressive and he seems to be like, you know, calling the shots with Bernie and it's called Nino's Pizzeria. Mm-hmm. He yells at him at the beginning. Yeah, exactly. But then we figure out that Bernie is really in charge of everything because he starts reprimanding Nino. Yeah, for how badly this all went. And he ends up stabbing the goon from the strip club in the eye with a fork. That was gross. And then some other more times with other stuff. Mm-hmm. There's and murders in there. And then he says, well, now you have a mess to clean up too. Yeah, you now you get to clean up my mess. Yeah, now you get to clean Just... up my mess. And then when he goes to speak to the driver, I thought it was fascinating too. Um, and the way he that he dispatches, you mean with Brian Cranston, that scene? Or afterwards. You know what? I am thinking of that scene. Yes. Yeah. I thought that scene, like, in some ways, I think Bernie recognized in the driver, like, a version of himself. Oh, yeah. A a similar kind of. Yeah. Because Bernie tells this story to the driver earlier in the movie about how, like, how he and Shannon, who is is, uh, Brian Cranston, met and, like, all this stuff and how it happened. And he goes, oh, yeah. it's, It's like he talks about the movies and he goes, oh, bad luck for. Brian Cranston to... Oh, yeah, getting his whole body broken. Yeah, by the mob, basically. Yes. Um, but the efficiency with which Bernie dispatches Brian Cranston over and, like, with a handshake. That was amazing. Yeah, that was really... Because I was thinking about it, and it was like, there's so much trust. So it's like, well, now I'm going to be worried about, like, handshaking people's hands. But, like, there's so much trust when you shake somebody's hand. It means so much. Mm. You know, it's... Literally, like, you're agreeing to trust each other over some sort of deal. Mm-hmm. And the fact that the, he uses that to, like, slit his wrist. Yeah. Or slit really... his whole entire arm open. And then he has the nerve to say, like, that that was, like, the most, you know, the kindest way to kill oh, him. Oh, yeah, like, he'll be over soon. Right. That was clearly, clearly, like, oh, this is the most efficient way to do it. Yeah. And, like, I've always thought of him as a friend. So this is just... Yeah, he's like, it's a matter of respect. And I'm murdering you like this. Mm-hmm. Um, that's definitely the way he thinks of it. Before he says that, though, I thought it was really interesting how Bernie characterizes the issue between the driver and Nino that's now become his issue. Mm-hmm. Um, he says that the driver tried to put it right, but with the wrong guy. Yeah. Like he tried to just return the money, but with the wrong guy. And he says that Nino is a belligerent asshole with his back against the wall. So now I have to be a belligerent asshole with my back against the wall. So it's just interesting He's like, he's tried to do the right thing, but with somebody who's an asshole, who's an idiot. And so now it's all fucked up. And now, I mean, he's basically, without saying it, he's saying, now we're all going to die. Do you think if, um, I don't know if this would have made a difference, but do you think if the driver had gone to Bernie and said, I'm going to give this back, would that may have like changed anything? Or is this all because of Nino? I think it probably wouldn't change anything. I, I think it would come about differently, but I think Bernie would still try and kill the driver. Rather than have him out there knowing 
not, you know, not knowing that the driver probably would never say anything to anyone. Right. And of course, you know, the driver, I think accidentally interfered with this, you know, other gang business too. And the, the bigger fallout from all that. Right. But Bernie has a quiet moment to himself after he murders Shannon mm-hmm. in a mansion. Oh, I know. <laughs> with a glass case of all of his killing knives. What would you do if you saw that in somebody's house? What would you think? Well, one of them could be like a barber's knife. It kind of looked like the one that he sliced open Shannon's arm with. But the rest, I don't know how you justify those. Those all look like killing knives. <laughs> yeah. But they're all perfectly polished and silver and beautiful and shiny and sharp. Mm-hmm. But he sits by himself in this giant mansion that looks so rich. And you realize this guy is fucking rich and he's working in a pizza shop with his mob friends. Why? But he's living this weird other life. Again, it's the idea of, I think, of dreams. Yeah. Of, I sort of assumed that he got the money through the mob. Like, that's why he has it. I mean, I think it is because remember when he goes to shake hands with, um, Ryan Gosling at the racetrack and Ryan Gosling is like, oh, my hands are dirty. And Bernie goes, mine are too. I love that. Yeah. Um, right. So it's probably mob money. Right. You're thinking versus movie money. I think it's probably mob money. but It could be movie money. could be movie money. I just thought that was an interesting moment. Similar to how Ryan Gosling is in so many moments. Quiet and unaffected and like blank. So he was too, after this vicious murder of a guy who he was friendly with. Yeah, he called him basically friends. Yeah. Well, there was a moment of emotion though for um for the driver when he sees Shannon dead. Yeah. Yeah, where you can tell he's definitely processing something. He looks sad about it. Yeah. He like checks his pulse. Yeah. It makes me think that like maybe he's also checking or not checking, but maybe he's going like testing that on too. Maybe. Is this something I should feel sad about? And there was that earlier moment with him, too, where he realizes the reason that the goon knew to come to his apartment uh, was because Brian Cranston had said too much to Bernie, the mob boss, about the girl Mm -hmm. um, in trying to, like, help uh, the driver. He, like, basically shakes him and yells at him. But I think feel like he would only do that if he cared. And I think he did really care about him. And it's like all of a sudden he's dead. So there's it's just over. Yeah, the driver seems to do what he can for people. But hmm. the, his limits go towards them being alive. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, he goes to set. Now, you know, his scorpion jacket, we're seeing much more of the back. Like the beginning of the film, you only see corners of it. Mm-hmm. You only see just a little bit of the gold stitching, but you don't see the whole scorpion until he starts acting out and starts killing. But he's going to set and you see the whole scorpion and the bottom of his jacket is drenched in blood. Um, yeah, you, you progressively see him getting bloodier and bloodier and messier. Yes, messier, more covered in dirt and blood. He walks onto into the makeup trailer and steals this mask that was made for him. Oh yeah, they, they do a whole thing of like, he's, you know, you're the stunt driver for the star of this movie. And then it's like a bald head. Do you, do you think it was like a Fast and Furious movie he was the stunt oh, driver for? Yeah, I think so. I mean, or like something like that. Because they said he was the the, uh, the star's stunt double. Right. I'm sure it had to be. I mean, the fact that it's like set in a big bald head. Right, driving. <laughs> I think he was doubling for Vin Diesel, maybe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah, he takes the mask. Then another of my favorite moments we see there's like a strange stripper party happening at Nino's. And it's some of the same women from the strip club scene. Mm-hmm. They're wearing outfits now. And you just see like, oh, you just see uh, Ryan Gosling put his face up to the window with a scary mask. But what we see in the window is this great little vignette. And it's like painted so beautifully with the colors and the lighting. And it's this tall woman in a, a blue dress staring in the most like disaffected annoyed cold like in a different planet way and Nino doubling over himself with laughter I thought that was such a great moment like clearly he said something that made himself laugh so hard and this woman can't even like pretend to crack a smile or or acknowledge it Mm -hmm. there's like so much disdain and then so much you know rowdy laughter coming only from him and the other woman that we see too is sitting there just like 
a statue just like at the strip club right yeah it was, i was also going to say that i mean that's a great moment that kind of sums up the film too like ryan gosling just peering in from the outside mm-hmm. like trying to make sense of the situation trying to make sense of this world that people are clearly inhabiting but he just isn't part of well i thought too i mean it was like a farce of a party nino thinks he's having like a crazy stripper party but he's laughing alone to himself while a woman stands there and barely tolerates his presence and doesn't interact at all and they just happen to be there like like in his mind he's like probably like we had a wild you know another wild party right but it, it's just this farce imagination of what that would look like i just loved it i was like oh these guys are all a joke they're all like in these invented worlds oh yeah and everyone else is a prop in them mm-hmm. i also love the scene after that when ryan gosling is wearing the mask and perfectly times a, a run into nino's car yeah off of twice like the first time it's like to bump the you know the rear end to like get him close to the cliff yeah to run him off the road mm-hmm and the second time, because you and you know it's coming, because the the camera, like where the camera yeah, is, yeah, you framed. can see something in the background. Mm-hmm. And then the lights turn on, and he just gets pushed off. But it's so methodical. Yeah, I mean, it would have been really easy for the the Mustang that he stole to to drive over the cliff as well, but he doesn't. Right. It just moves the car off. Yeah, or for there to be like a big chase scene and a big shootout and like wrestling on the sand you know something like mission impossible too yeah um but it's not it's just very methodical that's what he's gonna do he's gonna kill this man oh yeah and then he gets to the sand and he's still wearing that scary mask mm-hmm. and i loved that moment where nino they, they don't talk at all nope nino just runs away from him basically like staring at him because he's just walking slowly and runs into the ocean uh where the driver drowns him yeah i wrote yeah i wrote full scorpion now Drowning him in the waves, like he's in his like final form. Mm-hmm. And, and then he has a phone call and he says, Do you remember the story of the scorpion and the frog? Right. Uh, your frog didn't make it, essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, and he calls Bernie. And I love what Bernie said. Bernie said, We should meet. And he goes, Why? He goes, Well, it's you, me, and your girlfriend. We're the only ones alive now. We're the only players in the game. Yeah. Yeah. What did you think of that scene at the Chinese food restaurant? Bernie's but- still pretty menacing. Yeah. Very menacing. Very menacing. I mean, it was really interesting. It was these two men who, who in a way, understand each other very well. But it was moody and it was uncomfortable because it wasn't going to get resolved in a way that, like, was happy. But just felt doomed. Yeah. And that was before we knew what was happening. And I love the way they intercut mm-hmm. um, what does happen with the conversation. Again, I, I thought in my head oh, is this a fantasy of one way of what might play out? I thought that too. So they're having this conversation about yeah. like, here's how it's going to go. You're going to... Right, and this is Bernie know, speaking. Yeah, you're going to give me the money Yeah, and your girlfriend gets to live, but you're going to give up on any dreams you might have had and you're going to need to like watch over your shoulder for the rest of your life. Right, and get out of town and mm-hmm. I, I can't guarantee your safety and like basically you'll be hunted. Yeah. But your girlfriend will be safe. Yeah. In exchange for this money. And it's intercut with them walking to the car. And you just know it's like, it just felt like from the second they're walking outside, I'm like, of course, like one's going to stab the other. Of course, Bernie's going to stab. Oh, Bernie's got something up his sleeve. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, You know, Bernie's walking behind him. I'm Mm -hmm. like, Bernie's not saying he's not stupid, you know. But he shows him where the money is. Oh, and the driver agrees to these terms, too. He just kind of goes, okay. Yeah. he's He's not interested in pushing back. He's not interested in saying... No, it's good. You know, in every other movie we've seen, it would be some version of like, no, these are my terms and I'm going to get it on my terms. Mm-hmm. He doesn't push back at all. He just goes, okay, yeah, the money's in my car. So I go to the car and as they open the trunk and Bernie sees the money there, he stabs the driver really bad. Yeah. And, and the driver stabs him. Right. And then there's this great shot with the, um, that the shadows where you see yes, you them see like like both shadows. falling and struggling and then Ryan Gosling rising. Yeah. And he looks like he's fine in the shadows. It looks like a man who's standing just fine. Mm-hmm. And then we come back to seeing him um, and he doesn't look fine. He, he's bleeding quite a lot. But yeah, it ends with him getting in this car. You think he's completely dead because he stopped moving entirely and we saw how much blood there was. And eventually he blinks and he starts the car and then we see the car driving into the night. Well, again, he's just, he's like, I wonder what it'd be like to be dead. Okay, I guess I'm not dead. Yeah. 
And off he goes. Yeah, I think you're right. Um, and then he goes out on the same song of like, he's a real hero. A real human being. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's the shark and the scorpion. What did you think? Yeah, I didn't like it as much as I do now. <laughs> now I really like it. Or, you know, I think it's one of those things where it's going to really linger with me. Mm-hmm. No, I really like it. I really like it too. And I really didn't think I would. Like I said, my memory of it was like boring, long, mm. you know, um, pretentious. Yeah, I thought it was going to be really riddled with hallmarks of the time period. But I think it holds up really well with, again, exception of Carrie Mulligan's character and yeah. Christina Hendricks, sort of. Yeah. Um, but I really liked it. I really like how moody it is and what it has to say about people and their dreams and the reality and kind of the realities we create. Yeah. I really enjoyed it too. I really liked how he was such a villain inside. So not not just a villain, but also just... Um, well, he's like a shark or scorpion. Yeah, that's he's a shark. Yeah, he's a shark nature. and a scorpion. That's his nature. You're right. It's his nature and it comes out more and more and he's able to compartmentalize it for a little while but it comes out and when it comes out he's happy it's out he's like at peace Mm -hmm. with the violence i really liked it i think it's really good my mind has completely changed about it same what trash can fire rating would you give it i think it's like i think it might be like a four and a half five i think about where it lands all right it's a four and a half because carrie mulligan's character it's a shame they didn't give her one single thing that could be I, I keep stopping myself by saying like a flaw or something else because I think the movie's from his perspective and from his perspective she would be this perfect nothing mm-hmm. she would have no flaws she would just be this like angelic pure thing I think she could still have something she could have something for us the audience to yeah. see in the moments she's not with him like the I mean the scene with the party like, yeah where it's not from his viewpoint, but we're still seeing it. Yeah. We could see something different from her. Yeah, you're right. I think it can only happen in the moments when they're not together. Mm-hmm. I think it's a 4.5 for me. What about you? I think it's a 4 for me. I have like mm-hmm. a really solid 4 that I'll be thinking about for a while. It's also interesting because I've seen so many movies in the past couple of years that have tried for this sort of melancholy Mm -hmm. I would say um that both this movie and Hannah achieve Mm -hmm. but completely fail like yeah think of like last night in Soho which had nothing oh terrible um there's another movie that I just oh there was one with Amy Adams the woman in the window maybe I didn't see that uh it's fine Mm -hmm. (laughs) it's like beautifully done but it's uh, the thriller at the heart of the story isn't really there you know, so I, I think it's really hard to create this sort of, I'm thinking of like a sort of this like floating, floating dream that is actually a nightmare. Yeah, that's well put. And it's the same thing with Hannah where mm-hmm. it's so, such a beautiful. It's like a fairy tale. It's a nightmare. Mm-hmm. Did you want more jokes in this movie or are you good with zero? I'm good with zero. I was kind of good with zero and I almost always want one. Yeah. No, I, I again, the only, the only thing I really want after talking this through is Carrie Mulligan Mm -hmm. to have something else. (laughs) Yeah, I agree. It's interesting how shallow I thought this movie was when I first saw it, but I I also really do think I probably fell asleep in the theater because I I don't remember any of it. I just remember the vibe I felt about it, but I didn't remember any any number of scenes, any scene. Well, this does bring us to the end of this episode about Drive, uh, a little shake-up in format, but I think it was really fun to get into all our feelings of this movie. Yeah, it kind of makes me want to watch A Place Beyond the Pines now and see if it gives that same sort of dreamy nightmare feeling. I have no idea what that movie is. I've never heard of it. Okay, it was really big in like 2013, or at least it was for me. It was like one of those things where I was like, I'm going to put it on my list to watch. But now I can go back through my journals from 2011 and be like, watch Drive. (laughs) Cross that off the to-watch list. So next week we're going to shake things up a little bit and go into... Some more, you know, fast action with Edge of Tomorrow. That is the Tom Cruise sci-fi action movie from sometime in the mid-aughts, mid-teen-aughts, I guess. I don't know. You've seen this, but you don't really remember it. No. 
I remember him doing like maybe a Mission Impossible like hanging scene, but that also might be like Mission Impossible memory coming through. <laughs> Probably. So if you haven't seen the movie, now would be a great time to watch it. Um, we are going to spoil it. And in the meantime, if you're enjoying this podcast, please, please leave us a five-star rating and written review on Apple Podcasts. You can also leave a five-star rating on Spotify. Um, it really helps the podcast get out to more people. And if you have a movie recommendation or compliments, you can send those to ladiesgetaction at gmail.com. You can also find us on Instagram at ladiesgetaction. Rebecca, where can people find you? You can find me on Instagram at Rebecca Ringley Casting. And Rin, where can people find you? People can either find me on Instagram at Rin Olson, which is R-I-N-O-L-S-S-O-N, or at Renaissance Media, which is my business Instagram. Both work. <laughs> Until next time. Get, get some, some action. action.